0: A quick reminder, the host of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Here at the Mach 1 Market Moment, we upload a brand new podcast each and every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. And welcome to episode 52. This is Mike Frost, and today on the podcast, we'll be discussing where to stash cash and to keep it safe. First of all, let's welcome to the podcast. We've got David, our CEO and founder, along with Matt, our senior VP, and Erica, our marketing intern. How are you doing, folks? Doing
0: great, Mike. Glad to be here. As always, I've missed the last few podcasts. so I'm happy to be back to full health and and joining you guys again today.
2: Yeah, happy to be here. Glad everybody's on here and uh, excited for Erica to join us. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here.
1: All right. Okay, folks, let's talk about your cash. Matt and David, you know, you had the clients come in and say, hey, I've got this cash where they sold a house, cashed in some bonds or, you know, sold some stock. And I just want to keep it safe, but I want a better return than I get on a CD, a certificate of depression, I mean deposit uh, at a bank. So where can I do that? And so today we'll discuss some of those options and the pros and cons of each. This is by no means an exhaustive list. This is just some of the things we may recommend to folks. But let's consider this. The average savings account today, the average savings account pays 0.05, 5 one hundredths of a percent. Imagine that. Now, Matt, how much is inflation running these days? Oh, in the last decade, I think
2: it's been around 1.5%. Um, last year is a little over 2%, I believe.
1: And last month, it was over 4%. Right. So if you're making 0.05 and inflation is 4%, you're going broke slow. Remember, all the investment choices covered today are meant for short-term needs. Short-term, like personal savings account, emergency funds, a new car account, so on. Sticking to safe investments isn't always a good way to grow your money over the long-term, of course. So keep an eye on your nest egg as it grows. When it starts to get a little bit bigger, then you might want to think about moving that to some longer-term investment. That way, you can keep some money safe on ice for the short-term, and work your way toward long-term financial independence. All right. Here we go, guys. Y'all ready to get into it? We're going to talk about a few of them, and we're just going to banner about which ones you think are good, which are not so good, and we're going to say the what we think is the best to last, so stay tuned. All right. CDs, certificates of depression, or some people call them certificates of deposit. Okay? Can you guys explain what a CD is for somebody? It's not one of those things you put in your car to play music with either. Right. Yeah, it's just, most people know what these are.
0: It's just the the basic savings vehicle that banks offer. You take X amount in there and you put it on deposit with the bank and they pay you a certain rate
1: of return for a certain period of time. And the reason they call it a certificate of deposit is when you do that, they give you a certificate.
0: That's right. That shows typically what the rate is on it and when it matures and things like that. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And pretty boring. And pretty boring.
1: And pretty bad rates of return.
0: Yeah, like you said, you called it, I think, a certificate of depression. I call it a certificate of depreciation. Probably, is probably a more apt way to put it because you're, you're losing money due to inflation over time. If the rate of return on the
1: CD is less than the real rate of inflation, then you're losing money slowly. And our last podcast talked about inflation. So if you haven't listened to that one, when you get through with this one, cue that one up and take a listen to it. Okay, Matt, what's a high-yield savings account.
2: Yeah, I mean just a savings account at the bank that's going to pay pay you a little bit higher yield than maybe your traditional savings or checking. There might be some, you know, more restrictions on it in terms of how many times you can transfer money in or out or, you know, have a minimum they might require you to keep at least 5000 in a high yield savings and so there might be a few more restrictions, but probably not as restricted as like a CD where there's a maturity or, you know, a time on that. But, you know, if you compare the high yield savings rate to a traditional savings rate today, there's there's both still really low. Might be a little bit more, but not all that more much more attractive.
0: And sometimes, you know, on, that, on the same note, sometimes you can find banks that'll pay, you know, well above whatever the average going rate is for CDs or most type of checking or savings accounts. But to your point, Matt, they'll have strings attached, one string attached that you didn't mentioned that's common is maximum amount that they will let you deposit, right? Because in this current interest rate environment, let's say a bank is paying 2% interest. I don't know if anything like that is out there, but I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere out there you could find that. But guess what? They're going to put like a maximum of say twenty or $25,000 on that. Why is that? because they're losing money. They're literally losing money on that, right? They are have to pay you more out in interest than they're earning on the account. So that's why they put a maximum on those things.
1: We see a lot of that with the online banks, no brick and mortar, just online. Therefore, they can offer a little bit better. But to your point, David, they put a max, you can put in there, and then that rate may only last for three months, six months, or a year. So it's not going to be your, your life savings that you're going to keep in there forever. Okay, that's the high-yield savings account. All right, here's something called a T-bill. Which one of you guys want to take the T-bill? Not a Z-bill, but a T-bill. Yeah, Treasury,
2: a treasury bill. So you have treasury notes, treasury bills, different... Treasury, yeah, T bond. I mean, you have different types of instruments, right? That the that the government issues to go into debt, basically. To put it, in. A, in a, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but um, Treasury bill, Treasury note. There, you know, you're going to issue a Treasury bill is going to be over a one year period, and it's going to basically pay you nothing. Uh, the current the current rate, literally, if you round it, it rounds to zero. Exactly. So. It's it's basically nothing. So I have I have no idea why you would use a treasury bill right now in the current interest rate environment. But that's what it is. It's a one year issued by the US government, the US Treasury, and they'll pay you, you know, a penny to give them a hundred thousand dollars.
1: So a treasury bill is for one year or less, and then a treasury note is usually about a 10 year note. Okay. Then a treasury bond is longer than that. All right. So what about a treasury note, Matt? Now this is 10 years. Now we were talking earlier this is supposed to be short term. A treasury note would pay you what? Treasury note currently it's
2: got 1.65%. So it definitely paying you higher, but it's a 10-year period.
1: Where were we at,
2: you know, 10 years ago from an interest rate perspective? It was we were still low, but not anywhere close to where we're at today. So a lot can change in a year or two, much less 10 years. And you know the things with treasury notes and bonds is just like a uh, corporate bond that's issued right that pl- that price can fluctuate if you don't hold it to maturity so someone's not necessarily going to pay you par or what I mean by par is the amount that you put in if you sell it between now and the 10-year time period when it's up and so depending on what interest rate to do between now and then you may only be getting paid one one and a half or in this you know 1.65 percent. But if you try to sell it in three or four years, you know, you might get less than what you originally put in. And so, again, it's a pretty tough case to make for a lot of these options, really.
0: The other thing to note there, as most of you listening probably know this, but kind of like Matt alluded to, is interest rates go up, value bonds goes down, right? Right. So if interest rates are, I mean, we just talked about the T-bill paying zero. I mean, that's as low as it gets. So assuming interest rates go up from here, the value, if you sell your treasury note early, before the ten-year maturity, you're going to get less out of it than what you paid for it. The other thing to note about uh, the ten-year Treasury is a lot of a lot of different instruments, uh, investment instruments that are in the marketplace are kind of tied to or correlated to, you might say, the ten-year Treasury. For example, we do you know we do a significant amount of annuity business here per each year at Mach One, and the ten-year Treasuries are a lot of what those annuity companies invest in, so that affects the rates of return on things like that. 10-year treasuries are also kind of a good barometer, I guess you'd say, for what to expect on bonds in general. So where the 10-year treasury is going can tell you a lot about other things that aren't necessarily short-term investments like we're talking about today.
1: Matt was starting to give us a tutorial there on bonds. Maybe we need to do another podcast on bonds and how they're priced and how selling them early and the par value and all that. So but let's get something that's kind of new, something called a tips. This is not like you give a tip at a restaurant. But what are tips?
2: Yeah, so tips are treasury inflation-protected securities. and They come in different increments or to have different maturity dates. So basically what they're designed to do is to protect you against inflation if you were to lock in for like a 10-year period. So what we just talked about, the downside to owning a treasury note, you know, and if you're locked in at 1.65 for 10 years and inflation or rates pick up, then you're kind of stuck and you might get less out of it than what you put in if you try to sell. Well, a tip, they will adjust the rate based on the CPI and they do that you know, two times per year. So depending on if we find ourselves in an environment where rates really start to climb, a tip might be a better way to, um, I'm not saying your rate of return is going to be necessarily all that great, but it will be a way to maybe have your rate adjust along with everything else in the, in the general environment instead of being locked in at a fixed rate for a long period of time.
1: And still remember folks, we're talking short-term instruments here. Uh, tips are five, 10 and 30 year increments. So, that may disqualify that anyway, but that is out there in the marketplace. So, we wanted to share it with you. How about money market funds? Money market funds, you know, some people. Kind of allude to them like a a CD or maybe a high yield savings account.
0: They're just basically cash. It's it's what I would describe it as somewhere between a T bill and and like CDs as far as rates of return. It's fully liquid. You can get your money out of it at any time. You're gonna make a little bit more on it than if you just kept it in your checking account, and a little bit less on it typically than if you put it in a CD. But the main thing is it's it's fully liquid, and typically most of them are fully. FDIC insured if you're keeping it at a bank. So up to 250000 Yeah, up to 250000 is the FDIC limit.
1: Okay. So uh, all these we're talking paying very low interest rates. Uh, they're safe. They're liquid. Just not going to make a whole lot of money. Here's a couple that most people may not think about when they're thinking about keeping their money safe. One is pay off your mortgage early. Why would that be a good place to put your money?
0: Well, here at Mach One, we're big advocates of paying down debt. Mike, as you know, you, you do the uh, you do the money school uh classes for us and which is a lot of that course is about budgeting and getting debt paid down. So the sooner you get debt paid down, the less debt service you have, I should say, the less debt service you have, the easier it is for you to eventually retire, right? It takes less money to retire with no debt than it does with debt service. So that's one big reason. And once you put that money into the house to get it paid off, if push comes to shove and you need to get it back out, you could always get it back out in the form of a home equity loan. So there's a lot of reasons, even though we recognize that interest rates are at an all-time low and you know the pushback we get from clients sometimes on this is, well, why would I want to pay my mortgage now if I'm only paying two point something percent interest on it and I could invest my money and make you know, something higher than that? Well- as you've heard throughout this discussion, anything that's safe is making, I think the high rate of return we talked about right now is a 10 year treasury at 1.65. Everything else is significantly less than that. So what does that tell you? Anything that's higher rate of return than whatever your mortgage interest rate is, is going to involve risk. So that's why, you know, we would argue for paying mortgages down.
1: So it's counterintuitive though. you you got pot of money you want to keep safe and and you can make a little bit and a little bit or you can pay off that mortgage that you're paying a higher interest rate and that would be actually be saving you money. That may be counterintuitive for some others. This one should not be counterintuitive. Along the same vein, it's paying off your credit cards. Matt, would that be a smart thing to do with cash? Yeah. Yeah. I mean even in a higher interest rate environment that's going to make
2: sense just because of the rate that you're going to be paying on your credit card. So even if you could get, you know, 10% in a CD it's still probably half of what you're paying on the interest on your credit card so it's that's absolutely going to make the most sense and one thing to kind of tie this back to this is always dependent on like why do you want to keep this money safe right you need you need to, there needs to be a why cuz depending on what you're trying to accomplish all none or some of these options that we've talked about and some of the ones we're going to talk about may or may not make sense so if you're just wanting to keep it safe for three months and then you plan on spending it, that's obviously going to look different than if you need to keep something safe and and liquid for two years and then need it.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up, Matt. The why is very important because typically we see people in two different camps. They don't recognize the importance of having that liquid emergency account. Our recommendation, Mike? Three to six months of expenses. Three to six months worth of living expenses. So whatever your monthly average cost of living is multiply it by three to six. That's how much we'd recommend you keep in one of these types of accounts we've talked about here today. There are caveats to that. Like you've mentioned, Matt, if you've got a big home purchase coming up in the next year, uh, or maybe even 18 months, or you've got some other big purchase coming up, that's money that you probably shouldn't invest in the market, right? Because you don't want to take the chance that it takes a drop right before you need that money. So there are other reasons why you might need more than three to six months in that low interest bearing safe fully liquid account but for the most part we see and you guys correct me if you see anything different than this but what i typically see is people who have little to nothing in their emergency account they've got it all tied up in ira's and 401ks and things like that or they're ultra conservative and they got way too much in cash and savings neither one is wise right if you've got nothing in the emergency account nothing in that liquid uh, account, you could get yourself in a pinch if, an, if and when an emergency happens. If you got way too much, well, the bank is your best friend. They're they're making a lot of money off of you because you're investing your money inefficiently.
1: Okay. Told you folks we're going to say the best for last. And this is kind of where we would come in and most often would recommend something like this. Now, David just hit the why. You know, if it's really short term, two to three months, six months, then yes, leave it in that savings account. It's insurance, it's not an investment. But if you're planning to buy a house, buy a car, getting ready to have kids go off to college, you just wanna keep it safe. We do have some things we call fixed annuities, multi-year guaranteed annuities. So can you guys explain how to use those? Yeah, so
2: a fixed or multi-year guarantee annuity, you might hear referred to MIGA, right? Is is basically the annuity or insurance companies or in, insurance industries alternative to like a CD. Okay? So it's just their fixed rate for a specified term Hey, we'll pay you X percent for this long. The difference is you're utilizing the, you know, there's pros and cons to everything in life, but you're utilizing an insurance company, right? So the benefits to that are typically we can get, it's, it's, it's more of a pooled process and investment. We can get better, better rates typically because their portfolios are enormous. They're pooling, they're going out and investing all kinds of things, Right. And so, you know, for example, today you might, I forget the CD rates we quoted, they're they are minimal, even on like a two and three year CD. I mean, you're talking one or 2% or less on multi-year CDs. But, you know, you can go out and find a MIGA of today for three to five years for two, two and a half percent plus. And so you get a slightly better rate of return with that. And so, and you can go out all, all the way out to 10 years if you want, right? The thing where we're, we're finding now though is with interest rates at is, you're getting the same rate on a three to five year MIGA as you are on like your seven to 10 year MIGAs. Almost. Not, not every case. Again, it's different and these rates fluctuate, but you're not getting paid hardly anything for going out an additional five plus years right now in the current environment. But that's what a MIGA is. It's a basically the CD of the insurance industry is the way I'd explain it.
1: It's a way to earn a little bit more return with almost zero risk but there's some downsides too. I mean, you got to put it away for two or three or whatever the number of years you want to do it. And the longer you put away, in most cases, the more you... When one of the, one, another difference is, uh,
2: you know, on the tax side of things, at CD, you're going to get 1099, pay tax on the interest every year, right? <laughs> interest may not be very much right now, but you're still going to have to pay taxes. In an annuity, that's tax deferred until you take it out. You, obviously, it's still going to pay taxes on it at some point, but you don't have to pay taxes on it. As it grows over those-
1: Each and every year. Each and every year, right? So So if that interests any of you, uh, we'd be happy to talk to you about it. Uh, You can just give us a call here at Mach 1, 479-876-2100. So if you need cash in the short term, but you want to earn more than sitting in your checking account, the options we discussed today may work for you. Again, if you want to talk to us a little bit more about it, give us a call, 479 876 2100. All right, Erica, it's your time. How do folks submit questions to the podcast?
2: Yes, if you have any questions, go ahead and submit those. You can either do that on our website under the podcast section, or you can email podcast at mock one financial.com. That's podcast
0: at m a c h dash, the number one, financial.com.
1: Well, thank you, Erica, for producing this show and all the behind the scenes work, how you make us look good on this podcast. All right, folks, we like to end each one of these podcasts with a thought of the day. And today is from Millard Fuller. The only safe investment one can make in life is what is given away. The only safe investment one can make in life Is what is given away. Well that's it for today, folks. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. We look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach One Market Moment.
0: Mach One Financial Group Inc. Mach One is an SEC registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach One may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mock 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mock-onefinancial.com slash disclosures.